food and drink industry does so well at praising people, you know, best new bar. You look at all these awards that go on now and, you know, people want to be a part of that. And I think it does a good thing of driving us forward and making us feel special, you know. Hello and welcome to Best Sips Worldwide. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, an American travel writer living in London. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by the history of cocktails ever since. Through the years, I've been lucky enough to sip some of the best made by the best. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let me introduce you to the movers and shakers of the world's most famous watering holes. You thought the Olympics were hard. Well, try winning the title of Diageo World Class UK Bartender of the Year. It's all but impossible, unless you're Ali Reynolds, our guest today, who reveals how his early life gave him the competitive edge you need. Nottingham is where I was born. Um, my parents moved to Derbyshire, and then I went back to Nottingham for university. I studied sport and exercise science. Um, I don't know why. I think it was because it was what I was doing well in at my A-levels at the time. Were you um, sporty? Yeah, I was always sporty. I think always um, very competitive. Um, but rugby was my main focus. Um, but, yeah, liked being outdoors as a child, and I think that just kind of resonated through, you know, all the way to university. But, yeah, it was, it was I guess kind of the want of wanting to be outside of the classroom and you know always messing around and playing outside so yeah I think that's kind of where it all stemmed from and I guess you you're now inside all the time yeah I guess, I guess yeah being in a basement bar was um for, for the last kind of five years um yeah it was it was different but you get to play at work and you know you're constantly on your feet and I think that's I guess you know none of us are getting any younger so um I think uh, I think there's there's been a recent change, but again, still a lot of traipsing around London, visiting some amazing bars, um, and seeing some amazing people. So, how did you get from sport yeah. to cocktails and basement bars? Um, so, during my time at university, I was working at um, bars in Nottingham. I think I pretty much covered every single bar in Nottingham at one point <laughs> um, during my uh, <laughs> infamous career. Um, was it just to make? extra money or? yeah it was to make ends meet um, but also meet new people I'm, I think um, you know getting to know people at university is always quite hard I, I mean I went to boarding school so I was kind of kick started and ready for it um, but it, for me it was a great way to meet new people and then you know students were always out socialising anyway and you kind of got to know the best places to go and all this stuff and then I just kind of fell in love with it really university finished and I find myself still working in the bars and I was you know it's just became quite natural and I think earning money straight away from leaving university without having to go to all these interviews and you know searching for the job that you want you know I was already kind of in that place. Was there a thriving bar community in Nottingham? Well actually I, th I heard a fact at the time which was Nottingham was the highest um, highest population of bars you know in, a, in, a, in, in Europe so we had we had so many drinking outlets and there were so many bars and once the two universities closed the, the city became a bit of a ghost town but you know when the students were there the, the bars were busy um, 
the cocktail scene now in Nottingham, I think, has has really come on leaps and bounds. You know, what kind of drinks were you making there in your early days? <laughs> early days, I think the uh, the extent of it was, um, I think, caipirinhas with like some sort of tropical fruit in um, every flavour of mojito you can possibly imagine. Um, but then um, I ended up getting a job at a bar called Brass Monkey, which was kind of, you know, the the, the the, the really good cocktail bar in Nottingham at the time, um, but now I learned. So now I've learned so much more. The things we were doing back then, I was like, oh, if I saw anyone doing that now, you'd, you'd just kind of laugh. But um, yeah, it's it, again that's all changed. And as a, a gentleman who joined the team when I was there, called Gareth Evans, who's a good friend, and you know he kind of came with all this wonderful knowledge that you you know you shake drinks with cube dice and not crushed dice but um, there was a few you know there's a few qualms there we 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 all got along great and I, I learned a lot from there and that's when I entered my first ever cocktail competition and Gareth kind of guided me through it and we did this uh, very strange drink now I think about it you know how how in the last 10 years you know cocktails have become so much more serious and you know the way these things are put together like almost working like chefs you know with, with flavours and the science behind it so it's incredible what made you even want to start competing um, I think that competitive nature that has always been there I think I think you know I've got a younger brother he's very competitive as well um, and I think we both get it from our dad who is the sorest of losers um, but I think um, I think what I think that competitive nature and just wanting to express what, what I thought I was good at you know and, and put myself up against other people was was always quite nice but the one thing for me and the one thing I say to people now if they're nervous about entering competitions or anything like this I'd say you know it's not about you know the winning part is great if you do win but for me like you'll always learn something you'll always take something away about yourself but you meet new people you see what they're doing you know and there's all these wonderful things that you see at these competitions because they bring the best people together you know to, to show what they're what they're good at do you remember what competition that was that you entered <laughs> um it was i think it was for hein cognac and i made a i made a drink called a perfect little heine um, <laughs> love the name <laughs> yeah which has had a cinnamon stick sticking out of a brandy balloon and there's some other stuff in there but it was it was just well put you went together. for the visual yeah i went for the visual um but it looked terrible but uh-huh. you know again things have changed so much but you know, Gareth kind of said, you know, pick out the flavours that you find in the cognac and then just go from there and use those in the drink. And it was my first one and I won. Oh, um, yeah. And then I guess kind of like you, you start, you know, you put yourself on the line, you do well, and then you just carry on. And I guess, it, you know, I became a little bit addicted to it. Sorry, is that when you thought, all right, I'm leaving the sports world behind, this is definitely where yeah. I want to go? Yeah, I think so. Well, I think so. But, you know, the, the, the food and drinking industry does so well at praising people, you know, best new bar. You look at all these awards that go on now and, you know, people want to be a part of that. And I think it does a good thing of driving us forward and making us feel special, you know. I think the long hours that come with doing shifts and all this other stuff and the hard work from waiting staff, bartenders, chefs, you know, it, it's nice to get that bit of positive feedback and... Um, I think, I think I just became a bit addicted to kind of the attention you'd get over the bar, the kind of um, attention from cocktail uh, competitions and all this other stuff, but the amount of people you were meeting. And I remember my mum coming to visit me in, at university and walking through town and saying hi to people. And, and she was like, you seem to know everyone here. I was like, well, it's a small city, but, you know, it's just because you were, you were the face of, of, the, of the bars you were working in and people kind of associate 
you with that place and would say that, hi to him in the street. Is that when you thought, I need a bigger city? Um, I moved, so from Nottingham I moved to Bristol um, just for a change of scenery, really, more than anything. Um, I worked in some great bars there, but the, the thing I noticed the most was like, it wasn't so much more advanced but I think people really it seemed like they cared more about the, the, the way the bar was ran what they were serving you know it just seemed a bit more um, streamlined and I learned a lot there I worked at a uh, I ended up working at a, a great place called House Bar um, which is a little speakeasy um, in Bristol and you know just the attention to detail it was very classic drinks very easy to make drinks but you know they really focused on the service and how special you know you can make people feel when they when they come into a bar um, and you know for, for me as a young bartender at the time my focus was always what was going into the glass and like you know it's all about this cocktail and me making it um, whereas you know I think now I've slowly realised that people don't really go to bars to drink you know the drink is the middle point between meeting friends or the occasion and the emotions and everything else so um, yeah I think that's uh, I think that house bar helped me realise that and then I moved to London shortly after um, after being in Bristol for a couple of years and then everything really started What do you think move. the impetus was to move you to London? Um, well I'd been offered a, a job um, That's a good impetus Yeah and it was you know I was then amazed at you know how much money you could earn in London you know whether it be managing bars or working behind bars and it seemed a lot but then you don't really think about the expense of living in London <laughs> so it all balances out um but, I, you know, for me, we would always be looking at London. Um, when I was in Nottingham and Bristol, we'd be looking at these bartenders and we'd travel from Bristol down to London to do um, cocktail competitions and we'd always be on the train back and be like, oh, these London bartenders are always winning these competitions. You know, it's never us. What do they have that we don't? And now I'm down here, you know, just the access to everything. Um, you know, the, the training in, inside different institutions is better. And I think... You know, I think that was just it, really. The, the best bartenders were working in London. Um, and for me, I think that, that was just drove me to come down here and learn more. Um, and that's always been an important thing for me. Was it a certain... Um, or were there certain places or competitions that you won that you felt really changed where you had been to where you were going? Um, I, don't, I don't think that... I mean... I, I always wanted to be learning more, and I think I've, when I was in Bristol, you know, I really started to understand how big the food and drink industry was. Um, and the move down to London just came quite naturally. But I don't think the competitions really had much to do with that. Um, you know, so it was just a fun part, and the, you know, I'd always be online looking at what competitions were coming up, and you'd enter, and it was just the thrill of like finding out who would win at the end. You know, that 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 was that's what kind of really drove me to do that. But the learning part for me was the important thing so the, the move down to London was all about wanting to learn more wanting to be, be better you know, at what I was doing and where did you go in London? so I started um, the job offer was from Pollen Street Social which was Jason Atherton's first yeah. restaurant um, so I was there for a while it was really hard work you know chef opening his first restaurant a lot of pressure um, and Gareth actually who had come to Nottingham he was working with me and then my brother as well um, Josh who came down um, so the three of us were, were running the bar there and then Josh and I moved over to Hawksmoor um, after about a, uh, a year with Jason 
and then we, we came came to Hawksmoor and Josh has been my head bartender uh, here when I was bar manager at Hawksmoor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was Hawksmoor, Hawksmoor, I use in quotes, already when you got here or were you here at the beginning? No, yeah, so I was, no, I, my first, the first site I was working at was the one in Guildhall, which is in the city. Um, and then I'm, when they opened the basement below Shoreditch, um, basically they said they were going to focus heavily on the cocktails, the food was going to be easier, and then kind of like my ears pricked up and I was like, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go over there. So I came down here and then I, I, my last three years I was bar manager here. Um, Josh was head bartender and then we had an amazing team and did some amazing things down here, which was great. And one of those is while you were here, you won the biggie. Yeah. We, which is the uh, yeah. Joe World Class UK Bartender yeah. of the Year. Yeah, so that was in, that was 2015. Um, that was the big one for me. Um, the big one for the team here was Tales of the Cocktail. So we, we were nominated three years in a row for Best International Restaurant Bar and finally won the third time lucky. But for me, yeah, for me personally, World Class kind of kick-started the attention around... I guess myself, but also the bar, which was important, um, and that was the, yeah, that was the big one. We had a, a three-day final um, in Scotland at Jumeirah Castle, and then went to Cape Town um, and competed against fifty-four other bartenders from around the world, and it was amazing. It was a week in Cape Town. It was incredible, um, but it, the competition puts you through your paces. You know, it's probably the what most prompted fun. you to, I guess, apply. For well, it, I'd or actually, enter. I'd actually entered world class um, I think three times before mm. um, but every time I left I was like this is what I could have done different this is what I could have done better and you know I was looking at these other guys and the things they were doing I was like okay I'm going to take that away and take that away but the year I entered 2015 I think that was the first year I'd done so many competitions that year before um, and I felt very ready and prepared to do it and it was the first year I actually entered where I thought I've actually got quite a good shot at this mm-hmm. you know um, I wasn't going to enter um there's a lovely lady called Andrea Montague who used to be our bullet brand ambassador and she came down she kind of like made me enter she's like look just do it you know it's worth doing there's this amazing uh, opportunity to go to Cape Town and represent the UK you know if you've done it before let's just get this in so I entered and I got through and um, you know I'm so glad I had um, had done it because it was it's a, it's a life changing thing you know it's, it's really good and the, the cocktail you created, created for it Mm. Um, I did read somewhere that you said that you build a story around a drink. Yeah. Which, as a writer, first, I, you know, was drawn to that. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe using that cocktail as an example. So my, my, yeah, so the, the idea for me creating drinks, because before when I first started, it was just, this goes nicely with this, and, you know, A plus B equals C, but I think... You know, building a story and, and giving someone an emotional connection to the drink, and also putting them in that mind frame. So, drinks I'd done for the UK final that year. Um, you know, I wanted to focus very much on sustainability, um, which is a very hot topic with food and drink now. And you know, I did a drink with uh, fig leaves from my garden, uh, turned into a syrup. But I also added uh, ants. Um, so there's a a company that found woodland ants down in Kent um, you know they die in the cold and they had collected these ants but they had this uh, formic acid inside which 
provides a really nice citrus note. It's kind of like bittersweet orange almost. But my whole idea was that you were taking a martini to a picnic and the ants had got into the drink and then there was chocolates in there as well and some other bits. But it was it was the idea that people were at a picnic and they could imagine this and, you know, it, it almost takes them somewhere for that experience. And then you present this drink and they're like, how does this work? What's it going to taste like? You know, and they were already... Um, getting ready to experience they want to experience the drink before they're actually doing it you know I think that's important and is the story um, important for the award I mean for winning the award um, is it part I, of I think the story is important important for me because it helps me keep on track with my presentation because if I if I know the story in my head it's easier for me to present across to the judges um, but, do they yeah. ask? Do they ask for the story? No, I think. I mean, it's how you present your drinks. Uh-huh. You know, they sit there in silence, and it's very nerve-wracking having these four people sat in front of you, all kind of like scribbling on paper, and you know, you're trying your best not to spill anything or knock anything over or swear or you know, whatever it might be. Um, but the the story again, I think, then ties on like it's it's great for marketing. The, I saw. I don't know if it was by coincidence, but I saw so much stuff after I'd done that UK final with the drink with the ants in. I saw so many insects in cocktails, and you know, I, I probably had nothing to do with this, but you kind of notice these things more. And for me, like entering world class that year, the the effort that Diageo put in behind the marketing and you know promoting you and your drinks is, is fantastic so I guess more of it's just out there in the in the airwaves you know mm-hmm. what else do you have to do for the competition so after the competition well up in Scotland we had to do um, whiskey blending like a deconstruction so we'd be given 12 different whiskeys we had to decide which six were in this blend we had to identify the six whiskeys and then recreate the blend that we'd right. been given so it's you know it sounds like Mission Impossible it really is um but I think if you have an understanding of how a blended whiskey is put together, it, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of pick out what goes where. It's kind of trying to do a jigsaw puzzle, you know, blindfolded. Um, I guess because you had won the um, Lenfiddich mm, malt mastermind, yeah. you already... Yeah. Um, your tongue was well, aware of those Maybe. I mean, I do, I do like my whiskey anyway. Uh-huh. Um, the Malt Mastermind, that's a great competition as well. Um, but that was putting together one drink and, again, a story around the drink. Um, but, I, yeah, I think there's... It, the great thing about the competitions as well is that the, the research you do beforehand, whether it's on the brands, whether it's about what you're actually putting together, um, is great. And you build up all these wonderful nuggets of information that come in handy later down the line all right back to the world-class competition back to so the you had to taste these whiskeys I had to taste these whiskeys um, we present also had your story. We present our story um, with two original drinks um, and then we had to do uh, food pairing so we had 30 minutes to create drinks uh, on the spot paired with uh, a couple of dishes that were provided by Lee Westcott who's a wonderful chef over at the uh, typing room in Bethnal Green um, so he had provided these dishes we would try those at lunch and then one at a time we'd have half an hour to put, put together two perfectly paired cocktails gosh I have a stomachache just listening to this yeah <laughs> of nerves I, it, that was I the, feel my arms crossing I know I, I'm, I'm, I'm huddled up as well now but it, it, it was the worst part of the sorry the worst part is a bad way to phrase it it was the most challenging part of the competition mm. because you didn't know what ingredients would be in, right. behind the scenes and you were just putting together you know drinks on the spot and it's always quite a hard thing but I think that's the talent of today's bartender so after you had won mm. the competition, yeah. 
really, how has your life changed? So, well, I know I, that's a huge question to ask. Yeah. I guess, are you still bartending? I'm not. I'm not bartending. I've got some things coming up. So after the UK final, we went to South Africa and we did all these wonderful competitions over the over the course of uh, five days. Um, there was the final six announced, and then I was lucky enough to be in that final six. Um, and then from and then from that final six, what we had to do at the end was was create a pop up bar in 24 hours to serve 250 guests. Um, and the pop up bar was named Yellow Hammer. So I did a British pub style cocktail bar, all kind of ingredients you'd find in the pub, um, but also focusing back on this sustainability thing. Um, I had all the ingredients I'd used during the week prior to the final six, I'd, I'd kept and I'd stored and then I'd reused those in my cocktails. And I guess now the closest I'm coming to bartending is to launch pop-ups and other um, events under the Yellow Hammer name with my brother. So we're going to kind of take that on a roadshow soon. Um, so I'll be back behind the stick for, uh, for a few months, which will be good. Um, but that's just something that's been our kind of pet project and a, a passion of ours to do for a while. I think bartenders, when they first start and, you know, if they've been in, you know, behind the bar making drinks for a while, their, their immediate passion then immediately, you know, goes to wanting to open their own place. And I thought that's what I wanted to do for a while. But, you know, the more I started learning um, about running bars and different things, I just knew I wasn't ready to do that. Um, and I think this is a nice way to do it now. So we're going to be launching a pop-up um, next month, um, concentrating very much on kind of making people aware of their everyday consumption, but having fun with the, the drinks at the same time. We don't want to focus too much on this negative spin that wastage and sustainability always has. Like, I think it makes people feel like they're doing something wrong all the time. You know, nothing's going to change overnight, so if we can just have fun with it, but also make people very aware of their everyday consumption, I think it's, mm. it's a nice way to look at it. And um, you're still working with Diageo, right? I'm still working with Diageo, yeah, of course. Um, so I'm, I'm, I was, when I first joined, I was looking very much after the luxury part of the portfolio. So Johnny Walker Blue Label, uh, Ronza Kappa, Don Julio, 1942. Um, and it's kind of trickled into more of that now. So Johnny Walker as a whole, um, Ronza Kappa has been a big focus now. Um, Bullet Bourbon, I think we're, we're on the verge of finding a replacement for Andrea, who I mentioned earlier. Um, so yeah, um, the brand ambassador role is going well, and I'm learning a lot and getting used to this huge company that is that is Diageo, um, and yeah, it's going really well. And how do you find the business of bartending now, um, now that you're on this side of it? Yeah, so it's, it's a nice change. Um, I think, I think, you know, I think what brand ambassadors do so well is, you know, provide provide these um, ideas of, you know, this amazing experience around the brands, um, and that's my job now. But I, there's so much more to the job than I thought, you know, it, it would be. I kind of signed up and thought, you know, you get to do all these amazing events, which we do, and you, you know, you get to go around and see all these bartenders. But there's, you know, the real business side to it, and there's there's regular meetings on. You know how we're doing as a whole and as, as a company, and they, they let you have those insights, and it really does make you feel part of the of the big machine. Um, but for me, it's it, the the advantages are that I get to understand 
what focuses the brands have, um, you know, through social media, um, PR, and you know what what events we can actually do and what, how we can express the best of you know what we have to offer. Um, there's all these amazing things that go on which I hadn't even seen before because you know I think the food and drink industry very much focuses inwards. Bars are always looking at what the best bars are doing. You know, restaurants are always looking at what the best chefs are doing. We do, we kind of close ourselves in and I think looking at doing all these other events working with artists and you know key people in different industries is nice to kind of promote the brands in in different ways um, but I'm still getting to visit bars and see see old friends and do tastings and you know training sessions on on spirits that I've you know I, I actually adore I think it must be quite hard to you know, if you don't believe in the brands, then you know you, the job must be really hard. But it's such a great portfolio to work with, you know. And I think with my my love of Scotch, it's kind of it's a, a good company to be working for. We have so many amazing single malts, and you know Johnny Walker's always been one of my faves. So it's you know it's it's nice to be part of this. Of and this you team. feel you get to feed your creativity. Yeah, I think I think that's if I'm being honest, it's probably the one thing I miss the most. I miss you know coming up with cocktails and writing menus and you know being part of a, a, a close-knit team that you know sometimes will fall out once a week and we kind of rebuild all this you know I miss the busyness of the bars um, but the, under no certain kind of stretch of the imagination am I am I not busy now there's a lot to do and there's you know so many bars to cover in in London so many people to get out to see so many people that want help with what they're doing um, and it's nice to have those moments of creativity and put things together but um, it's nice to also have a break. Um, I get most of my weekends off. Um, I'm normally home at a reasonable hour and not smelling of lime and sugar and uh, beers from after work. But yeah, it's, you know. So you won't mind if I ask you to make me a cocktail? No, not at all. I, c- I can do that. I think I still have it in me. Um, my elbows aren't completely worn out. Yet, Great, because so. <laughs> I'm getting thirsty. Yeah. How about you? All right, thanks a lot. It was fantastic to have Ali on the show with me today. I have to admit, I was happy the cocktail he made for me did not include any six-legged creatures. Next time, we meet Leon Dalloway, who's also won his fair share of awards. You may bump into him leading his award-winning gin journey throughout the foggy streets of 18th century London. Until next time, bottoms up. For more information and links to everything you've heard about, plus a bit more, please visit bestbitsworldwide.com. Thanks for listening to Best Sips Worldwide, a spin-off of Best Bits Worldwide. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and never drink and drive. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. You'll find me at the bar. <laughs>